This is Monocle on Design Extra. It's a short show to accompany our weekly long-form programme, where we unpack everything from architecture and craft to furniture and fashion. I'm Maylie Evans. Paris Fashion Week wrapped up on Tuesday, and before that, the city of Milan too welcomed designers, buyers and journalists to gaze at upcoming collections. In the mix was Monocle's fashion editor, Natalie Theodosi, and to reflect on some of the shows she watched and a new influx of young creative directors, she joined Nick Manise in the studio. Let's take a listen. Natalie Theodosi, welcome. Thank you. I don't know why I'm welcoming you to the studio that we both work in, but I'm welcoming you. Um, It's your territory, Nick, so thank you for having me. Just on Thursday afternoons uh, when we're recording this. But I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to, you know, we sit next to each other, but I wanted to get you down here in the studio to chat about uh, your travels recently. I haven't haven't seen you in the office. I know fashion weeks have been in full swing. Where, Where have you been? So I've been to Milan and Paris and also attended some fashion shows here in London as Ooh. well. So it's been a full on three weeks and a lot going on. I think it was the first fashion month without COVID restrictions. So there was a lot of buzz, a lot of events and a lot of creativity, I feel, from designers, even though it's gloomy landscape with a lot of uh, uncertainty economically and politically. And you could feel that. But designers were still getting very creative and responding to everything that's going on. So open season, everyone everyone was sort of going for it. Maybe we'll start in Milan first and, and some highlights there. One thing that really uh, stood out in Milan was the generational shift that has been happening in houses like Etro, Bali, Missoni, all in the same season. We saw new younger creative directors taking on and uh, replaced the people that were there for years and part of the family. And it was the first time that a new generation was was coming through uh, so collectively and they brought sort of a younger spirit. Yeah, what, what does that do for the work? There's a much younger approach to dressing. Things got shorter. That got mixed reviews from uh, from people who were used to to seeing the, the families uh, design the collection and a little bit more tradition. So it will be interesting to see how that plays out for Italy's uh, family-owned brands like uh, Missoni or Etro. There were also some real highlights towards the end of the week, starting with Jill Sander which is designed by Luke and uh, Lucy Meyer, a couple, and they took us on a rainy day almost outside of uh, Milan, near Linate Airport. You had to walk through a field, but it was all worth it because they showed a really beautiful collection, surrounded by nature, beautiful tailoring. Everything was quite understated and sleek, uh, and they said they were inspired by California and, and, and the glamour of, of Hollywood and, uh, and America. That sounds lovely. I mean, what about, I know you saw Bottega Veneta as well, and you, and you said that was a highlight. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, that was a real highlight, I think, for everyone who had who was lucky enough to be there, in, in me included. Uh, it was a much more intimate show. So what's going on uh, during uh, Fashion Weeks now is that there's as much of a spectacle outside the fashion shows with celebrities and photographers, and uh, there's just general chaos. But this was much more understated, a smaller group of uh, creatives and friends of the brand coming together late in the evening on the last day of Milan Fashion Week to see the show. Uh, And it was um, reflective of the new creative director, Mathieu Blasi's overall attitude about a quieter power and more 
understated luxury. So it's clothes that don't shout for attention and the focus is really on craft and uh, how you can work with leather and their signature interwoven leather techniques for the bags and the accessories. And he also brought in uh, the architect uh, Gaetano Pesce to create the set. Uh, so I'd be interested to see what you I mean, think I, of that I, and I, I, architecture I, and fashion coming together. As soon as you told me about this, I, I, I looked it up and it's phenomenal. Firstly, the space that it's in, it's, it appears to be in this old old warehouse or an, an old industrial space, as, as you mentioned before. But I've looked it up. He's, he's made some custom chairs. Did you sit on them? How did I that work? I sat on a custom chair. Or every single person had their own uh, custom chair for the show. So they're, they're made from cotton canvas and then dipped in resin. So they, they don't look hard. They look quite inviting to sit on. The resin kind of almost has this fluidity to it. And then you've got colours melting into it. Uh, it. It does look kind of wild and quite playful. So I, I don't know how that contrasted with, with the, the clothes actually on show. Did they work together? That, that would be my, I guess, first question for you, how, the, how the, these colourful perches worked with the actual items of clothing. I think it, it made for a really interesting contrast because the clothes were a lot more about understated luxuries, black tailor things that looked like very humble pair of denim trousers, which was in fact cut from really luxurious leather, printed to look like denim. But still, yeah, that quiet confidence that Mathieu Blasi is known for. And then you had this colourful, really in-your-face set. So it was a really interesting contrast and it also shows um, how much he wants to involve architects and artists and young young photographers in uh, what he's building for Bottega Veneta. It's only his second season, but uh, there are rave reviews and I think he's taking the brand into a really interesting new direction. Yeah, broader than just fashion design. It is about design and and creativity more broadly. If your curiosity has been piqued by this chat, listeners and yourself, Natalie, as well, you can actually buy one of these chairs uh, at Design Miami later this year where they're going to be put on display and then then sold afterwards. But quickly, moving on. So we, we, we spend a lot of time in Milan. Tell me a little bit about Paris. Maybe let's go for some highlights there. Well, Paris is where the big brands come to play, right? And uh, we started the week with um, the Christian Dior show, which was a real highlight. Um, We sat in a giant catwalk space in the Tuileries Garden. And uh, there was this big set of Baroque caves that Maria Grazia Curie, the creative director, commissioned, uh, dance performances and uh, the the catwalk, which was interestingly inspired by Catherine de' Medici. So there was a lot of romance going on, hand embroidery, lace, uh, raffia. So very beautiful, very romantic and uh, she was, I think, wanting to have a conversation about female power, which is always interesting. And um, I think another powerful woman today ended the fashion week, Virginie Viard, who showed her latest collection for Chanel. Uh, it was held in the Grand Ballet. Beautiful spectacle, a really big uh, event that finishes off the week. I mean, I want to ask as well, just just finally, I know it's the first Paris Fashion Week without Isimiyaki. Can you tell us a little bit about that, what that did for the scene and, and for his label? That was another really great moment. I think his team all came together to really pay homage to him. Uh, so the models walked um, and uh, in the background there was the portrait of him. The clothes were really 
understated. The, the, his signature pleats were featured in pretty much every garment. A lot of black and white to start the show, but also a lot of optimism. They played with color towards the end and uh, in the show notes that you received after the show. They referenced him and his philosophy that good design can really change your life. And I think it's a beautiful message and something that designers often forget sometimes when you look at the noise that happens around the shows and the celebrity endorsements and, and the spectacle of it. Well, Isemiyaki was all about humility and, and good design. And yeah, that was a real highlight as well. While I was in Paris, I also spoke to Libby Page, who is the fashion market director at Netaporte. She was on the road just like me, but she has a buyer's perspective. She works with the Netaporte buying team to actually buy some of the collections we've been seeing. So she's giving us her highlights. And she also spoke about the importance of supporting younger talent and everything that Netaporte is doing um, to help fund and mentor the younger designers. There is nothing more exciting than discovering an emerging designer who's doing something in a really intimate setting. And you feel part of something, I think, when it is intimate. And also you even have these huge designers that are not embracing the power of celebrity. You know, the Row, for instance, It was the most discreet, intimate show at their salon in Paris. There were people that weren't even using their phones because they were just so immersed in the moment because it was so quiet and serene and beautiful. So I think as a designer, you just have to do what works for you and what's going to engage your community. And there are so many different ways to do that, you know, with or without celebrities. The Vanguard for us is such a huge part of what we do. I think, you know, safeguarding the future of the industry and safeguarding the future of fashion talent is so important to us. Um, so we launched the Vanguard programme in 2018, really with a view to bring on emerging designers exclusively. And in return, we would give them mentorship. So we felt a certain responsibility to make sure that these emerging designers were set up for success. So we would have them meet with our president, we'd have them meet with our social media team, we'd even give them access to our studio so that we were really providing them with means to go on and be a successful designer. And Christopher John Rogers, Peter Doe, Connor Ives, these are all brands who have gone on to do amazing things that, that were part of the Vanguard programme. And this year we've got some amazing talent. So we've got Grace Ling, uh, which we have launched. She's got such a signature design DNA, but she's also incredibly smart. She really had a, a projected future of what she wanted her brand to be. So we've launched Grace Ling, which is exciting. Grace Ling is definitely a name to watch in the women's world. And I'm excited to see who else Netaporte and the Vanguard's uh, initiative takes on. That was Monocle's fashion editor, Natalie Theodosi, in conversation with our usual host, Nick Manise. And that's all for this week. If you're eager for more design stories, then listen to our full-length programme, Monocle on Design, airing on Tuesdays at 8pm London time. Or if you prefer print, then pick up a copy of Monocle magazine on all good newsstands now. Today's episode was produced by me, Maylie Evans. Thank you for listening. <laughs>